You are listening to the Fantasy Joes Podcast, your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on Dynasty. And now, here are your hosts, Trey Barrett, Will Greenwood, and Ryan Livergood. That's right. We are the Fantasy Joes. I am at Roto Librarian, Ryan Livergood. Joining me this evening, as always, we got Will the Thrill Greenwood from the Pillow Palace. What are you, 4.0 at this point? Oh, <laughs> we're still, well, I guess we're still 3.0 for the most part. I mean, I was just excited, Ryan, when the message pooped into my inbox. Oh, sorry, I meant, I meant popped in. Uh, that Paul was joining us tonight. <laughs> so we, we uh, had to reschedule, but Paul Pertichese, a host of Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast, is, is back on the Fancy Joes. Paul, how many times have you been with us? This is like number five, number six. I've lost yeah, track. I think, I think it's number five or number six. I know uh, I've uh, been privileged to join you guys on your draft party every, uh, every year that you've been doing it, and then also usually hop on with you guys before the draft as well. So excited to be back. A lot going on in the – World of the NFL, giving us a little bit of a distraction from real world, which has been nice. And uh, free agencies kept us busy. A lot of big trades, big signings. And then, uh, you know, right now the draft's still about a month away and a lot to talk about in terms of prospects as well. Yeah, we we have a lot to talk about. Um, But first of all, let's talk about the biggest news in free. Well, it's not even a free agency move so much. It's a trade. The Chicago Bears acquire Nick Foles for their compensatory fourth-round pick. So Chicago (laughs) Bears, the favorites to win the Super Bowl, gentlemen, in – uh, in in 2020, 2021. Yeah, the, the last time they brought in a really long next quarterback, that worked out really well for them. <laughs> I, I have to say, when, when I saw that the Bears signed Nick Foles, I was way more excited than I should have been. <laughs> I, just was way, I was like, yes, we, we have a chance. We have a chance this year. I mean, he's a Super Bowl winner. I, I mean, I don't know. Um, uh, anyway, did, did, is, there, is there any hope, though? I mean, could the Bears be playoff bound? I mean, can Nick, Nick Foles get him there if, if, they, if he starts from, from totally. uh, week one? Yeah, I mean, I think they can be a playoff caliber team. I think their team is set up to be a playoff caliber team. I think they need better quarterback play, and I think they might look at the veteran presence of Nick Foles and think that uh, in Nagy's system, you know, he's familiar with that system that they might be able to get enough out of him to be more efficient than Trubisky was. I think they kind of dropped the ball a little bit. I think I would have been a little bit aggressive or just waited it out and kind of looked at Cam Newton. I thought he would have been a better fit. And if healthy would have given them a quarterback that I think could have taken them a little bit deeper. But uh, I do think they still could be a playoff caliber team, but I don't think, they would go very far in the playoffs. I know Nick Foles has won that Super Bowl, but I, I just don't Come on, see, Paul. I don't see that. <laughs> bone here. To, to, to get that and Nick Foles to have another magical run in him. I don't, I don't see it. It would be a great story, though, wouldn't it? Um, all right, so well, well, let's like a- start the whole season, make the playoffs, go down right before the end of the season, and Foles comes in and wins the Bears the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's true. That's and honestly like, you know, just watch the world explode with excitement about that. It'd be the most I would love. I would absolutely uh, love that. Even if the Bears went through the Vikings to make it and win that Super Bowl, if that scenario happened, I'd still be for it. Okay, well, well let's move move on to the the real, probably biggest trade that we've seen, and that's of course um, DeAndre Hopkins going to the Arizona Cardinals. I, I, that's pretty wild and david johnson now maybe he he has new life and fantasy going to houston i I mean i don't know what houston's doing but (laughs) if you're a houston texans fan you got to be really frustrated these days so um what do you guys think of that move i mean what do you think about it all the fantasy implications with uh deandre hopkins moving to arizona and david johnson going to houston what what do you guys think of, of those moves any thoughts I'll jump in first. Uh, In terms of DeAndre Hopkins, I think his value pretty much stays the same. I think he's still in that top three, top five dynasty wide receiver mix. You know, I think some people might be concerned that he may not see the opportunity and target share that he saw with Houston, especially with Arizona's offense and their scheme is going to be a lot of three and four wide, that it might spread it out a little bit. I think he's going to be fine. I'm not worried about DeAndre Hopkins. I still think he very much is going to be in the mix to be one of the top five wide receivers in terms of fantasy. You know, it might take him a little bit of time. So maybe if you're talking about immediate this year, just, you know, Julio Jones, Devontae Adams, you know, a handful of guys, Michael Thomas, maybe you, you want over him, but I still think he's right there in that mix in that top five overall uh, for sure. And he's, he's got, you know, 
a little bit younger than a guy like Julio Jones. So I do think he's going to be fine. I think for Kyler Murray, it's stock up big time. I think you can make the case that after uh, after Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, if somebody wants to say that Kyler Murray should be third in the dynasty quarterback pecking order, I don't. I really can't complain with them. I, I don't make dynasty r- rankings in terms of, you know, all the NFL guys. But if I was, I think I can make the case that Kyler Murray would be third. Maybe somebody wants to have Russell Wilson or Dak Prescott. I, at this point, I see it hard to have Deshaun Watson ahead of Kyler Murray. I know Deshaun Watson has more of a track record than Kyler Murray, but losing DeAndre Hopkins, I think is a big deal for him. Uh, So I would say stock up definitely on Kyler Murray. He's definitely in that top five or top six. I think he was ready trajectory towards there. And now with this move, I think you can make the case that he's even possibly number three. Other guys that are impacted by this, I think Will Fuller gets an opportunity to see more targets. I don't know if that necessarily means a greater fantasy production. You know, he's got to stay healthy, and if he does, he'll probably be a wide receiver too. Uh, more so, targets for three weeks anyway. Yeah, yeah so I mean, that's something that... Wide receiver one for at least a couple weeks. Yeah, so I mean, I think for him, he's going to see a lot of targets, but I mean, his, his thing has always been health, and just because he's seen more targets doesn't necessarily mean more fantasy production because he had... Defense's attention was always skewed over towards DeAndre Hopkins. You know, they were always concerned about Will Fuller over the top, but they had to pay, you know, a lot of times it was DeAndre Hopkins that was drawing the double teams. So if Will Fuller is healthy and they don't replace, you know, DeAndre Hopkins with someone better than Randall Cobb, I, you know, he's going to be the guy in Fuller getting all of the defensive attention. So I don't necessarily think it's stock up on him. I know some people are saying stock down on Christian Kirk. I don't really think so. I think Kirk is going to be fine with the amount of pass attempts they're going to have in that offense. If anything, I I never thought, and I love Christian Kirk, I never thought he was going to be a prototypical number one. Yeah, I think he still could be a guy that's an 85-90 catch guy, and, and he could put up Jarvis Landry-type seasons. And I think Jarvis Landry is one of the more undervalued and underappreciated wide receivers over the last three, four years uh, in the fantasy game. And every year people kind of you know want to knock him, and every year he just goes out and produces. I think Christian Kirk could very much be that type of player so i'm not worried about him no longer being the number one i actually think it probably suits him better so i would say status quo on christian kirk and he might even benefit uh from having deandre hopkins there so i think that's the pass catcher fallout uh any thoughts on that guys i do want to share about david johnson a little bit but there's a lot to digest right there with the quarterback (laughs) there is so much uh, to digest and the wide receivers i think the i think the one like stock down too is anybody who is holding out for hakeem butler's breakout uh, that's that's I'm I'm in that club, and I was really excited for that. I think that's I'm I have no hope for that anymore. At least at this point with this team, uh, which is a safer bet. He still could. Who knows? You know we can't really predict that. Uh, Andy Isabella stock drops. I think a lot a lot lower. Uh, they were signing guys almost off the street last year to come play wide receiver for them because their current core couldn't get it done. And that's a uh, I didn't really think about that quite a bit until I heard it on a different podcast, and they were discussing just say like. The Arizona Cardinals wide receiver core couldn't fit like they couldn't fit the bill last year, and they had all the opportunity in the world. Uh, you know, whoever they I can't remember it wasn't like the other Michael Thomas, but they grabbed another like dynasty darling off the waiver wire. They're just grabbing guys off the street to play wide receiver for them. And so now that that Hopkins come in comes in, that takes away a spot for one of those guys, and they just move further down. They're no, they're no longer going to be my stashes or my trying to acquire cheap. And uh, outside of those top two, I still think Kirk could to put up monster numbers that's not a huge a huge deal but the the lower end guys i'm losing i lost faith in hey will for you who do you take uh, kyler murray or deshaun watson i just take kyler murray right now I, the texans don't des- deserve deshaun watson and he should hold out for a trade oh that what he can right at this point in time why not nobody's gonna hate him for that yeah I, i'm very sad for deshaun watson he might be my uh, highest owned quarterback across my dynasty leagues. I've got him in a lot of leagues and, and, and I'm very sad. And I, I just feel horrible for him. Although I feel excited for the Arizona Cardinals. And yeah, even though I think about Baker Mayfield last year, you know, going into a second year and how he let us down, you know, I, I, th- I don't want recency bias to overwhelm us too much with Kyler Murray, because I do think that Kyler Murray, Paul, I think you're right. I, I think he's certainly in the conversation for the a, a top three dynasty quarterback. It, it, it's very exciting, and I can't wait to see what Arizona can do in that offense. 
Um, wh- what about the backfield? Because um, also Kenyon Drake is, is going back to Arizona. Um, you, you've got David Johnson going to Houston. So, Paul, you said you had some thoughts on the, on the running backs. Let's talk about the running backs. Yeah, I mean, I think Kenyon Drake, nothing but stock up there. And, you know, first stock up just because David Johnson's no longer there. So if there was any thought that maybe, you know, a rejuvenated David Johnson would split work or it would be a 60-40 timeshare in favor of Kenyon Drake, but David Johnson would still be heavily involved, that's now out the window now. Now at this point, it's Kenyon Drake and, and Chase Edmonds, you know, maybe if they for pick or somebody late a little bit more of a physical guy but I think they're going to go to war with Kenyon Drake and, and Chase Edmonds and I think it's going to mostly be Kenyon Drake in like a 65 70 percent you know probably of the of the touches and they run a lot of plays so it'll be more than enough for Chase Edmonds to be an interesting flyer in his own right but but now that offense just in general now by not having to and I never thought, you know, I mentioned this on the most recent Saturday Sunday pod. I never thought they were in the market for Jerry Judy or C.D. Lamb. A lot of people wanted to draw the connection between C.D. Lamb and Kyler Murray from Oklahoma. But I never thought they were going to invest a top 10 pick in a wide receiver this year when they have a glaring, glaring need on the offensive line. They, you know, re-signed D.J. Humphreys, but they really need another, you know, stabilizing presence on that line. But now this trade and not having to give up a first-round pick, now they have that wide receiver to go with Christian Kirk. And they have Larry Fitzgerald for one more year. And Will brought up a couple of the young guys. Maybe one of them develops to be their number four this year. So now they can go out and get an offensive tackle, and there's four guys that are worthy of being top 10, top 12 picks. And then all of a sudden, you upgrade the offensive line. So you upgrade the offensive line. You add DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray in his second year, Kingsbury's offense in his second year. I think Kenyon Drake is set up to be an RB1 this year. And, I mean, mm-hmm. we, he was left for dead not that long ago. And now we're talking about him potentially being an RB1 for this year. And I think he's a guy that people should be trying to aggressively buy if people aren't looking at him like that and still looking at him, you know, and, and kind of questioning whether or not he's could be that consistent. I think in that offense, he's going to be a guy that sees a lot of touches and they're going to score points and he's going to get opportunity to score touchdowns. So I think stock up on Kenyon Drake. I know some people are getting excited about David Johnson. I wouldn't. I, I really wouldn't. And, and my concerns are this. Houston Texans still offensive line is still poor. I know even that's still after the Larry Tunsil trade. Losing DeAndre Hopkins, they are going to be a lot less efficient of a team in terms of their offensive production. And third, I don't think they're, I don't think David Johnson, I think his value moving forward was going to be a lot dependent upon his past game work. But now they have Duke Johnson and they traded a third round pick for Duke Johnson last year. So I don't think it's going to be David Johnson as a guy who's going to be on the field 70, 80% in the snaps. If anything, I think he's going to be in a committee with Duke Johnson. And I think on true passing downs, Duke Johnson might be on the field ahead of David Johnson. So, I mean, obviously a lot of this will depend on how David Johnson looks this year. Last year, he looked slow. He didn't look like the same player from two years ago. But I don't even think we could say locked in that David Johnson's going to be the pass catching back because that's where Duke Johnson's at his best as well. So I think there's still a lot of question marks about David Johnson. If I can get him for like a third round rookie pick, sure, I would take my chances on him. But I don't think I'd be investing with this deep of a draft class. I don't think I'd be investing, you know, uh, definitely not a first round rookie pick, not an early second, not a mid second, maybe a late second, but probably in my eyes, more third round rookie pick to wait it out. Because as we've seen running backs, things change in a heart heartbeat. A couple, two years ago, I felt I was great in one of my dynasty leagues with Melvin Gordon and Todd Gurley. And as we sit here today, both of those guys are on the waiver wire and free agents in the NFL, and we'll see where they even end up. So things change quickly. So I know people are looking and remembering David Johnson from his great fantasy years, but the running back position, you know, you could be a star one year and be literally on the, you know, on the free agent wire with not a team, you know, really knocking down and having a great role for you in, in a year later. Yeah, it's unbelievable how the values change the dynasty for running backs. Will, how long have we been playing dynasty? And we, when the Fancy Joe started this podcast, the idea—I think we've been playing for a year, right? So is it four years for yeah. us? And, and we wanted yeah, my first year. Ryan was that year we did that ten-team empire league, right? And in that league, I picked up both Tyreek Hill and Devonta Adams on waivers. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and I was so mad you outbid me by for Devonta Adams like a dollar. <laughs> like you bid twenty-seven, I bid twenty-six, or something like that. 
Weird, well, weird, we didn't understand this. You put your chips in for young guys who are exploding for, in waiver wire. But anyway, what were you talking about with David Johnson, Ryan? No, I was just going to say that, you know, when we started this podcast, the idea was we were just a bunch of Joes. You know, we, we were learning the game and we were going to kind of learn together and, and kind of teach our audience, um, you know, kind of how to play Dynasty. Come, come along with us. And I, I think one of the things, since, since more and more people play Dynasty each year, this may be a lesson to to some new dynasty players is the running backs position that the values change so quickly. I mean, Todd Gurley, we'll get into him later, but Ugh. I mean, he won you, what was it just two years ago? He was winning you championships. Row, basically. Well, yeah. Yeah. Basically he just like, if you were in the playoffs against Todd Gurley, you just got leveled, right? It didn't matter how good your team was. You just got girly. We, we yeah, said, Lewis. yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's crazy. And now Paul, as you said, you, you got, Todd Gurley and Melvin Gordon on the waiver wire. And what, what, David Johnson, another guy that was a huge Genesee asset. And now, yeah, well, I mean, what do you, what do you think? Uh, Will, do you agree with Paul that David Johnson is, is not a guy you should acquire? He's, he's worth maybe a third-round rookie pick? Or do you have a little bit of hope? <laughs> yeah, it's so hard because I want hope so badly because he's from Iowa. And, uh, and he didn't go to the University of Iowa, but we went to United. But he's actually from the state of Iowa. So I really want David Johnson to succeed. I don't think he's as good of in between the tackles grinder as Carlos Hyde was last year. Uh, he, he didn't. He, he looked off all last year coming back from the injury, and it was he did put up some fantasy production that we kind of forget about early in the season. But as that team developed, he kind of got pushed out for Kenyon Drake. So I, I do think that I mean, like, a, like if it's a late second for David Johnson, I'd take that risk just to have one more year, maybe maybe push it to two two at max of having a, a starting running back uh, that you can plug into your lineup each and every week and not be overly afraid that they're just going to put up uh, a complete dud. If he's the starter there and he has the majority of the touches, I think in that offense, it will be less efficient. I still think that's worth the opportunity to grab. But again, I think he's going, he's going for more than that. And I, I don't want to pay more than that. I have him in a couple places that I acquired him cheaply that I want to sell him for more than that. Like I would hold out for like a late first for Dave Johnson at this point, because why, I mean, I'd rather just take the risk and roll the dice Versus, you know, having the rookie pick later on and losing out on that 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 opportunity for his value uh, to rise. The other part is with the trade that happened too, and that I'm, uh, the Cardinals not giving up their first. I'm really hoping Tristan Wirfs goes to the Arizona Cardinals for my uh, my Iowa fanboy in me. I think I think he's, I think he's going to be uh, on protecting the my quarterback here, uh, Daniel Jones in New York. I think that's where Tristan Wirfs is headed. Uh, so it, it, his combine that was one of the biggest ju- like risers i think his, him showing his athleticism his measurements everything that really matters to offensive linemen it's i think it's one thing we forget about the combine is it's the skill position players it's not as important as what it is to like edge rushers uh some defensive linemen but not really mainly ed- edge rushers and offensive linemen it's the most important time of their life what about Kenyon drake guys what is he worth obviously we're excited about him going into 2020 but what would you pay for, for Drake? Cause he's a guy you'd acquire. I think he's 26 years old. So kind of in the prime of his running back career. Yeah. I mean, I think his value at this point now has got to be around one rookie pick. You know, I would, if I had, you know, if I was in a win now mode, I would have to be in a win now mode. If I was the guy making the offer to get Kenyon Drake, but I would probably offer a late round one rookie pick that might not even get it done to be frankly honest with you. If that team that has him is a contender as well. I mean, there's five running backs in this class that I really like a lot, but I don't think it's a slam dunk to think that in the next two years, any of them is definitively better than Kenyon Drake. I mean, his situation is set up perfectly now. And it's not like Kenyon Drake is a guy that has a lot of wear and tear on the tires. So I think you're talking about, you know, I always say, I think you really got to view running backs as we just discussed in, in two to three year windows at the absolute max. And I think that might even that third year might even be a little bit of a stretch. And I love this rookie class, but I think you can make the case that over the next two years, Kenyon Drake is in a position with the team and the offense around him to probably outproduce any of these rookies. Now I'm not saying I'd give up my top, pick or second pick or third pick or even fourth pick it'd probably have to be the second half of round one mm-hmm. but i do think that he, 
you can make the case that he's just as valuable, if not more valuable, over the next two years than any rookie coming into this draft class. Now, in the dynasty, I will have a more of a long-term view and hope that I'm getting a, a guy for four or five years, these rookies. But if somebody is in just a short-term window of two years, I would say that there's a strong likelihood Kenny and Drake outproduces in that offense any of the rookies because we don't know where these rookies are going and not all of them are going to end up in perfect landing spots and where they get, you know, Josh Jacobs type level of work because there's not a lot of teams out there that are in dire straits for a running back to come in and take 70% of the workload or 80% of the workload. I mean, some of them might end up there and then injuries and stuff happen like that. So I think it'll a lot depend on whether you're a contender right now. And if you're in a short window or you want to try to say, you know what, I'm hoping that, this pick could be a guy that produces for four or five years. And then obviously it favors a little bit of the top rookie running backs over maybe Drake. Will, are you going to go out and try to acquire Kenyon Drake or or are you just going to kind of see what happens? Is is he a buy for you and what what would you pay for him? Yeah. So I pulled it up quickly because the Kenyon Drake trade went down on uh, March 17th. So I'm trying to think, is this right before? Yes. No, this would be right after we've heard this news. Uh, and it was the it was the 202 in this year's rookie draft. And this is a single quarterback league uh, in a 2022 fourth rounder. And I didn't really notice the 2022 before that, uh, but basically the 202 uh, coming <laughs> in this year's draft. And I'm kicking myself about that. I have the 106 in this league, and I'm pretty sure everything I want is going to be gone by then. Uh, I do need help at wide receiver uh, in the long run, I have, but I'm a competitive team. I was one of the top scoring teams last year. So I was really hoping like one of the, like Cam Akers ended up falling to me or anything like that. That that value. If anybody who reads anything about like dynasty rookie drafts now, that's out the window. Like if if my league mates are reading like reading anything, that's gone. So I, I wish I would have gone back and tried to make an offer with that 106 to get Kenyon Drake plus something back, where I feel comfortable about that. Like if I could have gotten like Kenyon Drake and the 111, you know, I would have I would have moved the 106 for that or like you know the 112 right in that range. And I think that's a better value for them. That's a better value for me. And I that's. The only one that I have, though, in, in my leagues that I'm in that I can see and, and actually like analyze and talk about, I think a late first round, especially if you kept your first round pick from last year and you were a contender and you've held tight to that, moving the, the, you know, the 110, 111, 112 for what's going to be at least projections right now. And you, you just kind of have to buy into what it's going to be right now. Uh, that's a great value to get a guy like Kenny Drake. You could, like, when, when we start doing projections for next year, and we're talking about just redraft coming into that, Kenny Drake's going to be projected as an RB1 easily. Yeah, I think for a super flex league, if you've got a late first, I think that's very much a win-win deal. If, if, if I'm a contender with the 112 and I want to acquire Drake, I think that's a win for that team that's rebuilding because they're going to get a really nice player there at the end of the first round in a super flex draft. So, I, I, yeah, I, I like that. I like that. We should probably move on. There, there's a lot of deals to talk about. Um, really, it's been a crazy um, offseason so far with free agency and, and the trades that have gone down. We have not been bored. Um, so, so getting back to quarterbacks, obviously the next big news, I, I don't know if it's big for fantasy or not, but we've got to talk about Tom Brady going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm pretty shocked. Not that he left the New England Patriots, but Tampa Bay of all places. It's, it's interesting to say the least. And, and I don't know what our, our thoughts are about, um, well, it, what's Brady's viability in a one QB league or Superflex league? What, what about the weapons in Tampa? You know, some people are saying, oh, I'm excited about OJ Howard now. I don't know. What, what do we think about Tom Brady going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? It just sounds so weird. I mean, it's, it's, it's weird. It's fitting for the time that we live in, though, <laughs> right? So, Paul, Paul, let's start with you. Tom Brady going to the Bucs. What, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird to say. It's going to be really weird to see. In terms of the dynasty and fantasy implications, I think it's stuck up on Brady. You know, I think most people would have looked at Brady and not viewed him as a starter anymore in one quarterback leagues. And now I think the move to Tampa Bay puts him back in consideration to be a starter in one quarterback leagues. I think there's going to be some weeks that he's a definitive mid or high QB one. I think other weeks will be low QB one, but I now think his floor and his ceiling have been raised significantly. And I think 
he's now in the mix to be a top 12 quarterback again because he's playing with the best weapons he's had in quite some time. He also is playing with a a team that's defense is not going to be nearly as good as the one he played with in New England. So just naturally, I think he's going to get suckered into some more high-scoring games, some more shootout-type games. So I think it's going to lead to stock up on Tom Brady, you know, in compared to what we would have thought of him if he just stayed in New England and he only had Julian Edelman and some other fillers, I don't think people would have been looking at him and even considering him as a one-quarterback league starter. I think he'd be a guy that, you know, in shallow leagues would be on the waiver wire or would be somebody on somebody's bench as their quarterback too that, you know, maybe he'll occasionally play in a good matchup. But I don't think he'd be looked at as a starter. In terms of the skill players over in Tampa, I think Chris Godwin, it stays about the same, to be honest with you. Uh, I think where Chris Godwin wins on the football field will mesh well with Tom Brady. I think Mike Evans is the guy, though, that could see a little bit of a dip down in his value. I'm not sure he's going to be a wide receiver one anymore. And, you know, I was on record last year from the night of the draft that I, while so many people were ecstatic about it, I hated the landing spot of Nikhil Harry to New England. And everyone was really excited about it because it was round one and he was the first wide receiver. You know, you know, after he was a round one wide receiver, I think only Marquise Brown had been taken before him. And I said, Tom Brady's not really the type of quarterback who just throws the ball up and lets his receivers go win it. I mean, unless we're talking Randy Moss and Rob Gronkowski in their prime, he's just not that quarterback. And Mike Evans has a little bit of Alshon Jeffrey, better player, obviously, but he wins a lot at the catch point, high point in the ball, using his physicality, his length, his catch radius. He's not this really great route runner. He's, a, he's fine for a guy his size, but how much is Tom Brady going to throw the ball up and just let Mike Evans go make a play? I mean, near the red zone, sure. So I could see Mike Evans being a little bit more inconsistent this year. I still think he comes out as a wide receiver too because he's going to have some monster weeks. And then he, I think, but then he's going to have some down weeks. And he might, you know, you might have to ride that roller coaster a little bit. But as a whole, I think Tampa Bay is just going to throw a lot less, to be frankly honest with you, because Brady's going to take care of the football. They're going to be they're going to be in games more. They're not going to be they're not going to be playing catch up mode and garbage time as much as they were with Jameis Winston. So as a whole, I think the yardage and the pass attempts are going to come significantly down from Jameis Winston. So if you're Mike Evans and a Chris Godwin owner, you got to hope for more efficiency, and you got to hope that Brady brings you know more touchdowns, more efficient play on less pass attempts. I think Chris Godwin's style of play and where he wins meshes better with Brady than Mike Evans does. So believe it or not, it's crazy to say, but I think I think people would have been more excited about Mike Evans and, and Chris Cowan's value if they ran it back with Jameis Winston, which just, again, is yeah. the most clear example of how real fantasy football does not always mimic, you know, fantasy football. Yeah. So, Will, do you think the Bucks are going to go out and try to acquire one of these premium running backs on the market now since they've got Tom Brady. Do they go out and make a plan? I don't know. I haven't looked into their cap space uh, and what what they can do and how much flexibility they have. This is such a fun experiment that uh, we're going to witness. And I think that Tom Brady, he's smart, right? (laughs) At this point in time, we can all agree that he's a very, very intelligent quarterback. And so when it comes to 50-50 balls or throwing it up to to Evans, I think he's going to utilize them in in a good way. And I think that, and Paul, the, the way I think about it is, like, last year he, what, he had two donuts during the regular season, and he also had a couple of weeks that were just, like, astronomical, week-winning week weeks for you. I think that kind of levels out. I think you're going to get less of that up and down, but you're, that ceiling has been taken away, and maybe that floor has been taken away as well. Like, he's going to look at coverages. He's going to read a lot better. The game's going to be a lot more smooth. So when you say that he's going to be a wide receiver too, I can get on board with that pretty easily, but I think it's going to be a smoother ride than what it used to be. Uh, based on health and what he was in the past. He's, I don't think he's going to have a game where Brady just completely checks him off the board uh, and he puts up you know, three targets for no catches and things like that. So, that, uh, yeah, I guess that's where we're with the offense. The, the O.J. Howard thing is just you – know, Brady targeted tight end, but he had an elite tight end. So if O.J. Howard is actually an elite tight end, I think we're going to find out. I just don't know yet. Yeah, it is going to be a great experiment. I, I can't wait. I, I actually love the landing spot just just because I'm so curious to see what happens. What can Tom Brady do in Tampa Bay? <laughs> I mean, because he does have some exciting weapons on offense. So, 
it's it's going to be fun. And I, and I think I agree. I, I think that if I'm a, a Godwin owner, and, and I have him in a lot of leagues, sometimes by accident, um, whether I acquired him in an auction because no one else wanted him, um, like like I'm I'm not freaking out. But if I'm a Mike Evans owner, I'm a little disappointed. It, yeah, it's definitely going to be fun. Like and yeah, oh, sorry. Like the sweat just shows slightly through the back of your shirt as an Evans owner. You're like, <laughs> like you're wearing like a gray shirt. It's it's clearly noticeable, and you're trying to play it off like it's not happening. The same if you're a Nikhil Harry owner. Oh my goodness, because it's just such a mystery, right? What's going to happen in New England? And I guess they've got to go for one of the. I mean, I, okay, Paul, I want to ask you about Jared Stidham because I've heard this in a couple of podcasts that oh man, he may get some play this year. Maybe they'll go with him. What was your assessment when you were really digging into him as a quarterback? What what were your thoughts on him? Because you, my friend, are very good, I think, at assessing quarterbacks. I mean, you, Josh Allen, for example, you you nailed it with Josh Allen. You you were saying Josh Allen was going to be a thing in the NFL in fantasy when a lot of people were just poo-pooing Josh Allen. So you've got a great track record with QBs. Not to put too much pressure on you, but is is Jared Siddham a thing? And if not, do they go for Andy Dalton? Do they go for Cam Newton? What do you What do you think? What do you think about Stedham and then the other options? Yeah, so I'll actually work in reverse. I do think they probably bring a veteran in like Andy Dalton. So I I doubt they're going to hand the keys to the kingdom to Jared Stidham. But we do have to remember, though, that they felt confident enough in Jared Stidham in preseason last year to cut their veteran in Brian Hoyer and give the job to a rookie quarterback, a rookie fourth round pick. And they were, they had Super Bowl aspirations last year with a 40 with 41 or 42, whatever it was when the season started quarterback. So the fact that they did that. I do think it speaks volumes on what they think of Jared Stidham. So I think that's something that we do have to take into consideration. I'm not going to sit here and say because he was lights out in preseason that that means, you know, he's going to be great in the NFL. But the fact that they felt comfortable, Belichick of all people felt comfortable getting rid of his backup veteran uh, quarterback and going with Jared Stidham when you know you're on you when all you have is a 42-year-old Tom Brady, I think does speak volumes. In terms of Stidham, I almost have to go all the way back to before last year's college football season happened, not this one that just finished up. Going into Jared Stidham's last year in college, he was looked at as a first-round caliber quarterback. And Matt and I talked about him for years on the Saturday to Sunday podcast that this was one of the top recruits in the country. He went to Baylor. Then obviously Baylor, you know, went on some tough times and he left Baylor. I, we said it from then. We thought he made a really poor choice going to Auburn and the style of offense that they run at Auburn. And he showed glimpses of, of being a high level quarterback prospect. I always said, I really liked him. But I always, he always left me wanting a little bit more. And then as last year kind of unfolded in the college football season, again, meaning before th- he was drafted, you started to hear that he wasn't going to be around one guy. But I couldn't quit him. He was a guy that I still thought should have been a second-round pick or at worst a third-round pick, and I believe the Patriots got him in round four. So I, I was a believer in his skill set. He was a guy that I wanted to see a little bit more consistency out of, and I thought the Auburn offense held him back a little bit. So by the time he finished out his collegiate career at Auburn, I thought he was more of a day two pick, but I still thought he was a day two pick. I didn't have him. I liked Will Greer a lot, but then after the guys who went in round one, I had Will Greer, and then I had Jared Stidham. So I'm a fan of his game, and I do think he could become a starting quarterback in the NFL. I just don't know if they're going to hand the keys to the kingdom to him right now. I, I don't know what Belichick's long game is. Is he in it for another four or five years or is he in it for one or two? And I think that will kind of determine what he does here. If he's in it for another four or five years and he might be okay, you know, having an eight and eight season or a nine and seven season, as hard as that is to fathom, then maybe he goes to rookie. But if he if he's looking to go 10 and six and try to coach his way, then I think he probably brings in a veteran I mean, it would be really ironic if he if he's willing to take on Jameis Winston, a guy that everyone thinks can't win in the NFL because of turnovers. But that does he just doesn't seem like the right fit, and neither does Cam Newton, to be honest with you. I 
the two guys I kept thinking that if Brady left, we're going to end up in New England were either Teddy Bridgewater, who obviously is signed in Carolina, or Andy Dalton. So at this point, I think they probably get Andy Dalton for like a fifth-round pick or something like that, and he's probably their starter. But I, I'd be excited if it was Jared Stidham to see what, what he does there and, and see the, the offense that Josh McDaniels cooks up for Stidham because I do like his skill set. I do think he has starter traits if given the opportunity. So I was actually very excited when he ended up in New England because I figured that you know Brady was going to be there for another few more years, and then I thought that he could be the next Garoppolo. You know, Garopp- Brady just kept playing well, so they traded Garoppolo. But I thought Stidham could be that next guy there that is groomed to be the heir apparent. Now, a year later, I don't know if that's too soon to expect that or not. Uh, but I think it's going to be fun to fo- follow that closely. That's crazy. Because I look at his college stats, Paul, and I know that's not the end-all be-all. But, you know, basically his sophomore and junior year, um, his college high and, and touchdown pass is only 18. So, you know, he had 18 touchdowns to six interceptions and. 2017 as a sophomore at Auburn. And then his junior year, not so much better, you know, 18 touchdowns, five interceptions. So it's not like this guy put up these amazing statistics in college. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. It's going to be fascinating to see what they do. And Paul, I remember, I remember you banging the drum over and over again for Stidham going into that draft uh, and trying to figure out where you wanted to place him among your quarterback ranks, then having him end up in New England. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't follow that advice enough in my Superflex Lisa stash. <laughs> but I, I, I mean, I listen to your podcast. Like, I've heard this over and over again. Uh, I don't really have a good reason not for actioning that. But the, the one thing, too, is if the Patriots go 0-16 and then draft Trevor Lawrence, we know that, that something was up in the background. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, that would be so great. Oh, man, I'd love that story. One other quick uh, free agency thing, too, is that I think the Diggs trade from Minnesota to uh, the Bills was, was interesting. Just, just a quick note. I think uh, I'd love to guys, uh, get your guys' opinions on that. And it's, uh, secondly, and this is just a quick blur. We don't discuss this part, is the Colts trading their first-round pick for DeForest Buckner. Now all of our wide receiver you know, picks there in hopes and dreams are lost. Yeah, I mean, I'll jump in first. You know, I, I think it – I think – the dig trade is interesting. I love the Buffalo Bills going for it. They paid a steep price there. I mean, obviously, a much greater price than the Cardinals paid to get DeAndre Hopkins. And I do think he's going to make their offense a lot better. I, I think Stefan Diggs is underrated. I think he's one of the better top three, top five rot runners in the league. I do think fantasy might be a little bit more inconsistent because as much as I am a Josh Allen believer – I still think in Buffalo, Josh Allen's running ability, his impromptu passing ability, I don't know if that makes Stefan Diggs, you know, as reliable as he would have been just staying in Minnesota with Kirk Cousins. So I, I definitely think he could still be a good wide receiver too in fantasy, but I think the ride might be a little bit more of a roller coaster than it, than it would have been in Minnesota. So I, I, I think slight stock down, I think, in terms of uh, Stefan Diggs. You know, some people might who hate Josh Allen, and he still has a lot of haters out there, might say it's a dramatic step down. I don't think that. I think if they paid that price he's going to be a big part of their offense I just don't know week in and week out if the pass attempts for for Josh Allen and the Bills in terms of how they want to play is going to be uh as much as it might have been in Minnesota I mean now obviously Minnesota was weird last year because it started out the year they didn't want Kirk Cousins to throw the football at all right I mean the first four games or whatever I mean they were like trying to hide like a really poor quarterback and then it ended up being Kirk Cousins went on to have one of his best statistical seasons of the year of his career so I I think it'll be interesting I I do think it might be a little bit more up and down than we're used to in Stefan Diggs so I think for real world I, I I love the aggressiveness and the bold take that Buffalo did in trading for him but I think fantasy it could be I'd probably sell if I got the right offer for him. If someone, you know, sometimes the flashy news puts people in the spotlight. And if somebody was willing to overpay for Stefan Diggs, uh, I'd probably sell him because I do think I'm a little concerned that his dynasty value might be a little bit more inconsistent. I think John Brown, though, now having another weapon there could be a really forgotten guy. Mm -hmm. And if the attention starts going to Diggs, that could leave a lot of one-on-one opportunities for, for John Brown, who I am a big fan of, 
So I mean, I'm a little bit intrigued uh, by John Brown as a guy that I think people will be down on because people live to have the number one guy and sometimes want to hate on the, on the guys when they're not the number one. So I think John Brown will be a little bit forgotten and people will be down on him. That would be the guy I'd probably end up trying to go buy on the cheap. Uh, and I'd probably sell digs high if I could. And so in rookie picks, if somebody was like the super flex, you know, PPR or whatever, uh, the, like the one, like what, what, what would it take? I think his value is probably a, you know, in the 1.08 range, 1.07 mm-hmm. to 1.10. I think, you know, every league is different. So some leagues, like I know one league that I'm in is a 10-team league and it's two quarterbacks and Diggs wouldn't be traded for a, a first-round pick in that league. He'd be traded for an early second, which might be overall the 11th or 12th pick or maybe even the 13th or 14th pick. But I think in a vacuum, his value should be, not that far behind. You can make the case that his value, if a team's in the win-now mode, are we sure Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb are going to outperform Stefan Diggs in the next two or three years? I'm not. You know, those guys might be wide receiver twos. Obviously, longevity is in their side, but it's not like Stefan Diggs is old. He's, he's very much yeah. still a relatively young player in wide receivers. So I think you can make the case that, you know, he might even be worth more than the 1.07 or 1.08 pick. And I wouldn't I wouldn't, I wouldn't strongly argue that. I like it. What do we think Buffalo's going to do in the backfield? Because I've heard some rumors that Melvin Gordon you know, might land in Buffalo, although some people have denied that. Do you think that they will land a running back, and then what does that do for uh, Singletary's value? Yeah, I put a tweet out this, about this today that I've always been very hesitant about going all in on Devin Singletary. And my thinking was he wasn't a good pass catching running back in college. He wasn't a goal. His size and, and, and frame don't really scream a guy who's going to be a heavy goal line uh, runner at the next level. So I was always concerned. And then you had the Josh Allen factor who basically he's like Cam Newton 2.0 in terms of his running capability in terms of Absolutely. touchdowns. Yep. So I, I've been always very reluctant to go all in on Devin Singletary. And the, as the year went on, people were getting really excited about him. But I kept coming back to why is Frank Gore getting so much work still? They they seem to to have made a decision that they they like Singletary a lot but they like him in a certain type of role. And they just kept feeding Frank Gore, even though he wasn't really producing that much. So I'm not surprised by the Melvin Gordon talk. I always was worried that they were going to spend the top two round pick on a top running back in this class to pair with Singletary, or they were going to go out in free agency. So if Melvin Gordon goes there, I think it cripples Devin Singletary's value for the next two years, at least. Uh, and I think it would speak volumes that they look at him as more of a change of pace guy. Now he showed off a little bit better in terms of pass catching his rookie year than I thought, but he's still, even if he's the guy, I think people might be a little high on him still because I think Josh Allen's going to take a lot of those touchdowns. But if he's a guy who's getting 70% of work, he's a rock solid RB two. So, you know, then people investing in him as much as they did last year would be right. And, and I'd be the one that'd be a little bit proven wrong that I didn't, you know, buy in for so long because I kept thinking that this offseason they were going to upgrade or not upgrade, but at least complement. And if they went the veteran route, that veteran might become the lead in the committee. And that would be my guess. If they were to get Melvin Gordon, I think it would be a good move for them. I think Buffalo's all in to win right now. The Patriots are down. We just talked about, you know, what they are going through. The dig straights tells me that they're all in. So if they were to go out and sign Melvin Gordon right now, I think he'd be ideal for what they want to do there. And they, you know, and Singletary would be a very good compliment to him, kind of like Austin Eckler was a good compliment to Melvin Gordon, you know, in Los Angeles. So it's tough to know Singletary's value right now. I'd, I'd be very skittish to either buy or sell him at the moment until free agency kind of played itself out. I think the dig trade takes them out of taking a running back now because I don't think they're going to use, they don't have their first round pick. I don't see them in their second round taking one of the big five running backs from this draft class and then if it's not one of those five guys then i think singletary is the clear you know lead in that backfield hey will you have any thoughts on, on that situation in buffalo yeah i agree that i don't i don't see them taking like a running back early on they're gonna probably try to bolster the defensive help they revamped that offensive line last year that actually worked out really well for them for what it's worth look at we'll look back on that uh in this year's free agency class for offensive linemen and then moving forward and how that affected the bills uh, and their success and I think that this is also maybe a good time uh, to transition to, to, the, to the rookie talk. 
if you guys want to. Wait, one more question before we transition. All right, all right, all right. So Jake Seeley on The Athletic, he, he wrote that kind, kind of predicting that there's a chance that uh, Darrell Henderson could be the next Austin Eckler or the 2020 Austin Eckler because of what's going on with Los Angeles. Because Todd Gurley, if you, if you haven't heard, he's no longer uh, a member of the Rams. So he's a free agent. And if you look at that depth chart, I guess it's Malcolm Brown and, uh, and Daryl Henderson. So Paul, would you agree with that assessment? Do you think Henderson could step in and be the 2020 Austin Eckler or are you thinking that's just a little much, a little rich for you? No, I, I, I'm a big fan of Henderson. Last year, I had him high in my rookie rankings after the draft. So much that I think that he was probably a little bit too high. At one point, I had him as high as like my fourth or fifth rookie. Uh, and then obviously, preseason, some of my rookie drafts are, are right before the season starts, like late August, almost like when redraft season is going on. So in those leagues, then he dropped a little bit because – you know, he wasn't really looking like he was going to be as much a part of the offense. But I think on talent alone, I liked his talent right up there, you know, after Josh Jacobs. I liked his talent, you know, on par and his landing spot more than just about all the other running backs So from last year. So I'm intrigued by him in terms of that offense. I think last year I was surprised he didn't get more involved. I think their offensive scheme in terms of spreading the field, I think is ideal for Darrell Henderson's skill set. I do think they will complement him with someone, whether that's Malcolm Brown for one year or another draft pick, or there's some veterans out there that could be had on the cheap that maybe they bring in somebody like a Devontae Freeman or a Carlos Hyde. I think it's to be determined, but I do think if we're trying to find those breakouts, like, and those breakouts are hard to predict. Like, I mean, I know last year I went on record as trying to predict the next Philip Lindsay. Like it's so uncommon to anyone to have a Philip Lindsay like season, you know, under, drafted or late round guy and I thought it maybe could have been Justice Hill last year and then he just didn't get the opportunity you know so to try to predict in Austin Eckler I think is hard but I could see Darrell Henderson being at the top of that list as potentially because they still have a good offensive mind there in Sean McAvey running the offense they still have good skill players in Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks provided he's still on the team. They have, you know, Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett, and we saw Higby down the stretch, you know, be really good and Everett's good in his own right. So they still have a good offense that if Darrell Henderson becomes a guy who gets 60 to 65 percent of the rushes and he's the receiving back, I could see him. I could see him having that type of Austin Eckler season. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I think he would be a guy that I would be buying. I would, I would say that I would be more excited without knowing landing spots about unnatural talent about the five rookies. The, 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 to me, there's a clear top five and then a huge fall off. I'd be more excited about the top five without knowing landing spots more than Darrell Henderson. But I think after the draft, once we know those landing spots, I wouldn't be surprised that Henderson has more value than one or two of those guys if those guys don't land in ideal landing spots. Wow. Okay. Well, Greenwood, what do you think about Henderson? A guy that you're you want to try to you know poke around and try to acquire, or you just gonna I, wait and see? I think it's a smart move. I think the person that owns Henderson at this point believed in them last year uh, and drafted them early. And either, like, I, I had drafted Henderson and then moved him mid-year last year. And going back to those owners uh, and, try, and trying to poke around and get him, I just don't feel like the – it just depends what the price is, and it's hard to put a, a pin on it because I don't have any great examples of what he's gone for. And especially after this, you're now, now you're buying that spike in value, but it's also okay to buy high. Like, if he's really going to be the starter there, whatever price you need to pay probably is fine. I mean, you're not going to have to pay, like, a top – you know, seven rookie pick, you might be able to get him for like the 108, 109, you know, one, uh, 110, things like that. And it, it could easily, easily be worth it. But I also see, I see the Rams is, I just don't get what they're doing. It's very confusing to me. And I guess I, I'm almost like curling back into like a conservative shell with them. So I, that's it, Paul. Quickly tell our listeners where they can find you and your work. 
Yeah, so you could find me at Twitter at Paulie23NY. You can find uh, the Saturday Sunday Football Podcast at SS Football. You could also go to our website. Easiest way is SSFootball.com, or, or you can write the whole thing out. Saturday to number two, SundayFootball.com. Uh, please check out our premium uh, content. For $9.99, you get access to four premium notebooks. It is really the best way uh, to support Matt and I to continue to do what we're doing. Uh, it's the lifeblood of us. We never you know ask uh, for any donations or anything any other way we wanted to give you guys back something for for what we do and everything that we make uh goes right back into paying for the server paying for the website uh all that stuff so uh we greatly appreciate it uh and if you are a previous purchaser we hope that you continue to, to check it out if you haven't ever tried it for 9.99 we hope you consider purchasing it you get the scouting notebook which has close to 100 player profiles of guys in this year's draft class so we're talking strengths functional areas developmental areas draft projection nfl role scheme fit fantasy spin this year there's almost another 30 guys too that ended up not declaring like i said the travis Etienne's and the Najee harris of the world so you're you're talking about like 125 profiles in that the rankings notebook you also get immediately as all our rankings and tiers for the draft class it'll have our dynasty rookie rankings it has our tiers it has our Debbie rankings and then there's still two more notebooks to come uh matt does the freshman notebook where he he uh gives his thoughts on the top incoming freshman for your Debbie leagues or just maybe future dynasty rookie picks or just a fan of college football. And then I do the draft projections notebook where I have a tab for every position, offense and defense in terms of what I expect to happen based on everything I'm hearing, reading and listening to uh, notes on every single player, just to give you a snapshot of who they are, what they do well, uh, where they struggle with. And then I have a tab for my projection on the 32 players that'll go in round one. The, I think this year there's 104 picks in the first three rounds, so I guess it'll be my guest on the top 104 picks. And then my guest, I believe it's 256 again this year, my guest on all 256 picks uh, in the draft as well. So you get all four of them for $9.99. If you have any questions, please reach out to me on Twitter. Uh, but we hopefully that uh, you can you think about purchasing it and helping support us. And it's a crazy great value. I've used the notebook for Debbie Drafts I've been in. If you have any of those leagues where it's a contest on draft night to get the most the most amount of right picks in the first round, uh, Paul, you've got a great track record at this, man. Oh, You're not so perfect, good. but but your track record's <laughs> super good. So check it out, ninety nine. It's a bargain. Um, so with that, that's the show. Um, we are the Fantasy Joes. You can find us on Twitter at FF Joes. We also have a Patreon account. You can support us there, patreon.com slash fantasy joes. So on behalf of Will Greenwood. I'm Ryan Livergood. We are the Fantasy Jets. Boom.